Lord. Give a hand clap to Jesus. Look to your neighbor and say, Jesus is alive. And look to your other neighbor and say, no duh. No, I'm just kidding. That's kind of rude, right? That's kind of rude. But it's kind of like a no duh thing. Of course, Jesus is alive, right? Amen. Everybody, welcome to Elevando. There you go. Welcome to Heaven. Did I say it right? Close enough? Close enough. He's just tired of it every, every week. Welcome to Heaven. Dude, you got, it's German for Elevate, if you don't know, right? And Elevate, we are multicultural, right? Even, even Germans. We love Germans. So uh, it's Friday. It's 7 p.m., right? That's Elevate. We, ha- we do this every Friday. So if you're watching online, my name is Joe Saboni. I'm the youth director here. And we are continuing our sermon series. This is the last sermon, this is the last message of this sermon series until next week. Next week's going to be the hype night. But everybody say, fear not. Say it with the, like a really like, like, you know, one of those tough old accents. Like you ever seen the movie, uh, like Marvel, any Marvel movie? You ever seen Thor, like the way he talks? Can someone say it like that? Fear not. Say it like that. Fear not. Fear not. Like that. Brian, you can do it, right? Brian, why don't you? No? You can do it. I've heard you say it kind of like that before. Yeah, yeah. You can do it, right? Yeah, do it. Do it. (laughs) Do it real quick. Fear not. Come on, Brian. Yeah. Right? So, and uh, (laughs) that's awesome. Yeah, so. We're continuing our sermon series, Fear Not. Today, we're talking about death. Everybody say, death, death, right? Death is kind of scary. No one really likes to talk about death, right? Let's go to Hebrews chapter uh, 2, verses uh, 5 to 18. Glad to continue this, man, because this, ser- this sermon series, whether you believe it or not, right, I hope you've been applying it because you've probably experienced one of the one of the things that we've talked about, one of the examples, one of the passages, it could be death, right? Like you, maybe you had this moment where you're afraid of dying, right? It could be man, whether you're afraid of man and, and wanted to make a decision based off that. It could be fear of tomorrow. You're anxious. You're worried about what was going to happen tomorrow. I guarantee you that you are faced with that sometime this month. Why? Because it's a part of human nature, Everybody say human nature. See, we all face this. We all go through this. The things that we talk about and elevate is not like we're talking about like Harry Potter. Like we're not talking about, you know, you going and winning a Quidditch match. We're not talking about stuff that doesn't exist like, you know, what happens when Santa Claus comes under, you know, he falls in your house. You know, what are you going to do when Santa Claus trips and breaks his ankle, right, in your house? How are you going to get him back on his sleigh? Like, we're not talking about made-up stories and made-up problems. These are real issues that we're facing today, and death is one of them. Death is a huge issue. When we go through Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 to 18, we're going to see just how Jesus deals with the issue of death. So right here it says, it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come. That means what he's given the world to come, the new world, the new world and new heavens. Jesus is bringing on a new world when he comes back. Nothing's going to be the same about which we are speaking. But there's a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. 
and putting everything under, their, uh, under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at a present, we do not see everything subject to them, but we do see Jesus. Everybody say, see Jesus. So we don't see every spiritual thing in the world, right, every plan of God, but what we do see is Jesus. We see his example, who, has made, uh, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. Everybody say, suffered death. So Jesus, though he's crowned with glory, doesn't mean he didn't suffer death. He suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Everybody say, death. Jesus said, death. He tasted it. He tasted it. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both are one, uh, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I. And the children of God has given me. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who has holds of the power of death. Everybody say, the power of death. So the one who holds the power of death is the devil. And free those who all... Uh, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, and he's able to help those who are being tempted. Everybody say amen for the word of God. Amen. Praise God. I love reading Hebrews. It's one of the deepest books in the Bible. Really quick, I want to get through a couple things. First and foremost, can God die? Raise your hand if you believe God can die. All right. Raise your hand if you believe man can die. Right? How, not all right. No, no. Lord, raise your hand if Jesus is God. Okay. Now raise your hand if you believe Jesus died. So what's going on here? Because none of you guys raised your hand for when I said God died, but then all of you raised your hand for when I said Jesus is God, and then Jesus died. So what's happening here, right? Well, it's this thing that Oscar has made his like favorite thing to talk about. It's called the hypostatic union, right? The hypostatic union. God did die. God did die, and he died a gruesome death, but he didn't stay dead. Now, here's the thing. Everybody, I was just talking about human nature, right? Part of human nature is death, right? The hypostatic union is this. Hypostatic is kind of just like... Uh, it's not about static shock or static, static shock's the old show, but it's not about static like you poke something, ooh, shocked me, right? It's not about that, but it's a, a submission to, like a, 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 uh, 
a combining from, a mingling of, right? So there's this union. Anybody know what union means? Unity, union, your, your parents become married, they become one. If something is unified, I don't know if you've ever seen like the DNA, like that little, uh, the helix, right? There's a union there. When you ever, have you ever seen like uh, when you put, tie rope together, you kind of have to unify it, right? So the God, right, God, his nature was unified to flesh. It says that he became blood and flesh. So imagine this, God, right, put on flesh. It's almost like this, right? How many of you, if I just threw you up into space, would be able to breathe? No, because human, Nathan, really? All right, we'll see. If if you were to open your, open your mouth and start breathing in space, you would die because humans don't belong in space. We don't, right? Especially, like, you know, if you, if you smoked, right, you have a less chance. You're dead the minute you open your mouth. You're done. Your lungs are garbage. That's what happens, right? So don't smoke, okay? Now, let's say, though, you wanted to go to space real bad. Let's say Brandon, you know, he's kind of tired of Earth for a little bit. He wants to go on a vacay. He wants to go to the moon, right? So... What is he going to do? How is he going to get there? How would he be able to breathe? What would he put on? An earth suit. I mean, a space suit, right? He would put on a space suit, he, and it would help him breathe. God comes to earth and lives among us. He kind of puts on a human suit, humanity suit, right? Mankind suit. So God put on what we have, flesh, and he lived among us. That's John chapter 1. So in that now, Jesus has two natures. He's not just fully man like it says here, but he's fully God in one person. It's not two people like, God is schi- like Jesus is schizo, and he's just like, I'm God. I'm man. I'm God, right? And, and he's not the father. It's not like he was schizo in this way where, you know, he's praying. He's like, Father? And he's like, yes, son. Not my will, but your will. Okay, son, right? He's not doing that. It's the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, the Spirit, okay? We believe in a God that's triune. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. The Spirit is not the Father. The Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. The Father is not the Spirit. However, the Son is God. The Father is God. The Spirit is God. They're co-equal. That means Jesus isn't like a little God, and the Spirit is not like a little ghost God, right? And the Father's not the big God. They're co-equal God. They're God. No one's less than an other. It's one being, okay, but distinct persons. So the Father is not the Son, but, however, the Son is God. There's differences in roles, Jesus came to die, the Father that sent the Son to die. The Spirit dwells in you, the Son is in heaven interceding on our behalf. So that's the whole thing, is that Jesus is fully God. When we talk about God, we have to understand just who we're talking about. Jesus, who is God, did die. He suffered. 
So when we speak about a God, we don't speak about a God who doesn't know our pain, isn't familiar with our pain, a God who doesn't see our pain or ignores our pain. We're speaking to a God who has dealt with pain like any other human dealt with it. When we're going through temptation and we say, man, I just can't help it. I'm struggling. I'm addicted to this. I can't help it with that. I'm tempted. We can't say, well, you know, everyone sins and everyone's been tempted because guess what? Jesus was tempted, but he didn't sin. So we have someone we can relate to in God because of the, because of Jesus. The incarnation is another word. Don't have to learn it, but because Jesus becoming man. Jesus taking on, man, humanity. And part of humanity, we're talking about it today, what is promised to every person? What is something that every person will go through? Death. You, you couldn't even take your own, before you could take your first breath, you have the possibility of dying. Miscarriages. Death is promised. Nothing in this life is promised. Matter of fact, you deserve nothing in this life but death. That's the only thing you're promised in this life. Just because you work doesn't mean you get to escape death. Just because you feed someone doesn't mean you get to escape death. You see, you don't deserve this escape from death. It's promised to every person, and every person will go through it, and every person has gone through it. Death. And here's the thing. Death According to some philosopher that a lot of people in Bible days used to listen to, right? This guy named Plutarch. If you ever seen Hunger Games, the guy who designs the games is named after this philosopher. He says this, nothing is so calculated to enslave the mind as fearing death through desire to live. I'll say it again. Nothing is so calculated to enslave the mind as fearing death through desire to live. What he's saying is nothing takes your mind as a slave so precisely, so accurately, so like literally like now it's controlling things in every part of your life. Nothing does that like death. See, death will enslave you in no way that you can think. It, would ensla- it, it, it literally will have you doing anything and everything. It will have you doing the craziest thing. Nothing controls you like the idea of death because you Your greatest desire is to live. Everyone's greatest desire is to live. The person who's contemplating suicide hasn't done it because they still desire to live. The person that commits suicide has a greater desire to live because they want to live a greater life. You see, the desire to live controls every facet of our life. The way we live, how we live, and the fear of death is the one that enslaves us to that. You see, the fear of death can control people. It can make people do anything. And the crazy thing, it's so common. Here's the thing. Per second, almost two people die. 1.80 people die. Now, there's not an 80% person, right? But about two people die per second. Per minute, 106 people, almost 107 people die per minute. Per day, 153,474 people, almost uh, 475 people, die per day. Per year, 56 million people die. It's common. Happens. Every second, literally, like as I'm speaking, two people are dying somewhere. As I'm speaking. It is that common. 
Matter of fact, you probably hear people about people dying so often it's become numb. It's become like, oh, yeah, that person died. Oh, yeah. It, it, like the news, 10 people were just shot and killed in the grocery store. And we're like, continue through my day. Right? A little boy was just shot in a drive-by. Phase that means nothing because it's so common. Death is literally so common. However, at the same time, it's so strange. When someone dies, there's this sense of when someone dies that we know or that we've heard of or that we're, you know, familiar with, maybe like a celebrity that you really thought about, you know, maybe, maybe someone in your family that you really cared about. There's this sense of like despair, this stomach-dropping feeling. It's so strange. How could this person die? Really? Did that happen? How could that happen? This young lady that I used to, that used to go to buy the hand, or what goes to buy the hand, uh, TJ works there now, right? But this young lady loved basketball. I remember she always had a basketball in her hand. She was like 15, 16 when I worked there, probably going to college soon. She died recently. I believe she was shot. Another thing happened, I saw a woman was, I think, nursing her child, and there was a drive-by in front of the house, and there was a stray bullet, and she died. See, death is so common, yet so strange. It's almost like it shouldn't be happening. When it happens and we realize it's happening and it's around us, we realize, man, this is wrong. This is wrong. This shouldn't be happening. You see... Death is something that affects everyone. Everyone. Death affects everyone. In every, uh, in, in, every, in every nation, in every world, every age, death affects everyone. Now, here's the thing. Jesus destroyed death according to this verse. He destroys it. And because of that, now we were able to face death with no fear. You understand that? Death, though it affects everyone, Jesus destroys death, giving us now, giving us this power, this freedom, this courage to face death without fear. If we can go back to, Roman, uh, to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 15, uh, actually verse 15, verse 15. I'm going to start at the end of verse 15 here. We scroll, uh, right there, yeah, that's good. It says, their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So death affects everyone. How? According to this, because we're enslaved to it. What does a slave do? Does anyone know what a slave uh, does? Yeah, whatever its master says. A slave does what his or her master says to do. The scripture says we were enslaved to the fear of death. Well, here specifically, it's the fear of death. The fear of death enslaved us. And if you go a little bit earlier, or right there, verse 16, or after, for surely it's not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. So good that we mention Abraham's descendants because Abraham himself was shown in scripture to be afraid of death. Let's go to Genesis chapter 20, verse 1. You see, everyone, even the people that we look to in the Bible as an example, they were afraid of death. 
Now, I want to give a little insight to this, okay, because you're going to see something that you may be like, whoa, what the heck? So is that okay? There's things in the Bible that are descriptive. Everybody say descriptive. That means they're described. Then there's things that are prescriptive. Everybody say prescriptive. That means they're prescribed. Anybody ever had some Tylenol here before? Yeah, you ever had Tylenol? Good. You're too young for Tylenol. It's good. Just deal with your headache. Eat an apple. That helps, right? But how many of y'all, your mom had to get medicine, right? Or your dad had to get medicine, right? And it was prescribed. You had to go over the counter. That was things that you should take, right? Now, how many of you have ever seen in the news and they describe an incident? And they're like, well, uh, just to sin, a man really angry drove up to a gas station and then, you know, broke a window and said, I hate you, and then walked away. And then he describes that event. Is he now saying everyone should do that? No, he's not prescribing. He's describing. So the Bible has things that it just describes, and that's not something you should do. It's just there. This is what happened. God's saying, this is how it is. My people were messed up. Then there's times it's prescribed, like, yes, you need to do this. This is one of those description things. Now, Abraham moved on from there into the region of Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And for a while, he stayed in Gadar. And, then, uh, and there, Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. Then Amalek, the king of Gerar, sent Sarah and took her. Sent for Sarah and took her. So that's kind of weird, right? Like, why are you saying your wife is your sister? But God came to Amalek in a dream one night and said to him, You are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Continue. Verse 4. Just go all the way down. Yeah, right there. Now Amalek had... Not gone near her, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And didn't she also say, he is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in a dream, yes, I know you did this with a clean conscience, and so I have kept from Stunning, uh, from sinning, uh, so you have kept from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you, will, you and all who belong to you will die. So yeah, God's like, listen, this is the promised family. My Messiah, the Messiah, Jesus, is going to come through this family in a thousand or a couple thousand years. So early the next morning, Amalek summoned all his officials, and when he told them all that happened, they were very much afraid. They were afraid of death as well. And then Amalek called Abraham and said, what have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you brought such a great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You have done these things to me that should never be done. And Amalek said to Abraham, what was your reason for doing this? So what do you think his reason was? Abraham replies, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place. And they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not my mother, and she became my wife. And then when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show me you love me. Everywhere I go, you say you're my, you're my sister and I'm your brother. So understand this. This is Abraham before he met God. He was a pagan. And they didn't have the Ten, the ten Commandments. They didn't have the 613 Commandments that said, you know, don't marry your sister. So when he found God, right, his wife just so happened to be his stepsister. Now, that doesn't mean now you get to marry your stepsister, okay, or your stepbrother. 
That just means Abraham did that. And when he did that, before meeting God, God had not given the law yet. Now, but what he did do that was deceiving and conniving was he gave up his wife, gave her up so that he wouldn't die. What do you think he gave her up so fair, uh, so the dude could do? Sleep with her. Have fun with her. Do whatever he wanted with her. Just don't kill me. Here, take my wife. Just don't kill me. Because you obviously don't fear God, right? It didn't seem like he feared God either. You see, the fear of death has affected people, even Abraham. And it affects all his descendants, too. The, Abra- the descendants of Abraham are the people that were Jews. The Jews were afraid of death, so scared of death, they wanted to go back to slavery. They were so afraid of death. When God freed them from slavery, they said, man, I'd rather go back to slavery than face what I'm facing now. So here's the thing. It says right here, who has the power of this death? Go back to Abraham. Uh, no, it's Abraham. Go back to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, go down, uh, go down a little bit more, right there. It says this, that it's the devil. You see, by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, and that is the devil. So the devil holds the power of death. What were people enslaved to? The fear of death. Who holds the power of death? The devil. He, God allowed the devil to hold this. Understand this. God is still in control. He's still powerful. He allows. The only reason the devil has any power is because God has allowed it. And the only reason he has allowed it is because he has reserved a day for judgment. He has reserved a day for the devil to be judged and all those who follow him. So this is a, kind of like how it is. The devil had like these chains, right? Anybody ever seen a chain or a leash? And those chains are like the power of death. And he himself had people, and he was steering them wherever way he wanted because they were afraid to die. And it's a powerful influence, death. It's powerful. Think about this. When, you, when, you're, when you're about to die, everything that once mattered no longer matters. Literally, if, if you're about to die... What matters other than your life? So you're going to do anything that would make your life that much better, right? That's why a long time ago when you guys were like in the womb, there's a song. You guys were in the womb, but there's a song by Drake called YOLO. You only live, right? You know, that's the model. The model that was the name of the song, and the, cat, the chorus was YOLO. You only live once, right? And for years that kind of caught on because the truth is, you know, he was half right. In this world, we only live once, right? Then we face God. We, de- we die and we face God in judgment. He didn't continue that. But we do only live once in this world. And he's saying, you got to live it up. You got to do what you can do because guess what? Death is knocking at your door. You don't know when you're going to die. Might as well do what you can until you die. Might as well live as you desire to live until you die. And what is that? That's the devil and the power of death controlling the way we think, influencing the way we live. 
And it's not some, it's not like, you know, the, think of the, don't think of the devil as some horned dude who's just like, he's red and everything. Honestly, think of him almost like some conniving businessman. Because the devil's doing business. The devil's a general. The devil, he has power. He has power. And he's controlling and influencing people using the fear of death. Now the question is, right? Because we know that death affects everyone. Everybody say everyone. Even you and me, death has an effect. Are you afraid of death? Does the fear of death control you? Do you think, man, I got to do what I can before I die? I got to have as much fun because, you know, I might die one day. Do you see your life, these 60 to 70 years, right? And you look at that last chapter of your life and say, yeah, I want to avoid that as much as I can. I want to make that chapter worthwhile, so I'm going to sin, and I'm going to do whatever I can because I'm afraid to die. If you, if you do that, right, if you, you are afraid of death, if that is your thought pattern, if that's the way you think, you're afraid of death. But the truth is, fear not death. That's the point of this message. I want you guys to understand. It's because you don't have to live like that. You don't have to be a slave to the fear of death. The devil will no longer have a hold of you because of this one thing. Jesus destroyed death. Everybody say, Jesus destroyed death. You see, if we go back to verse 14, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. What I was saying earlier, Jesus shares in our humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. You see, he breaks the power, the influence, the, 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 the way that he has that, that motivation, the, the, the chains. He breaks it. He breaks that power over you. So you're no longer a slave. The fear of death that had all of humanity is now broken through someone's death. Think about that. Jesus, by his death, destroys death. He died so that we wouldn't die. He took the death that we deserved. He took the death that was given to mankind so that he could now give us his life. We have to understand that what he means by this, right? Everything, everything, all this is only possible because Jesus died. And that is why it's important to understand that Jesus is fully man, fully God. Fully man because he died just like any man. But fully God, because he lives an everlasting life, eternity, from eternity, the beginning and the end. Jesus is fully man, fully God. He knows what death is. He knows it better than any man because he defeated death. So we understand this, that Jesus, by his death, defeats death. He breaks the power of death and the person who is holding it, which is the devil. So here's what we can't say. The devil made me do it. Or I had no choice. See, as a Christian now, you have even more accountability. You even have more freedom. You have more freedom to do what is right and do what is good and do what Jesus did because you have no chains on you. You see, there's no strings attached. There's no puppet master to you. As a puppet, you're free. Free from the fear of death. Even death. Well, man, I was going to die. That can't even be an excuse anymore. If someone said to you, you have to do this or I'm going to kill you, you as a Christian have no excuse. Kill me. If you were in war right now and they said, listen, I need you to execute these children or I'm going to kill you. Listen, your life is hidden in Christ. Jesus died. You can face death. You're not killing anybody. 
You know, we were talking about abortion today in my class, and one of the reasons why women get abortion is to preserve their life, to make it last as long as they can, as healthy as they can. So they're willing to make sure their baby faces death so they won't. And that's a common question when we get to abortion is, what if the mother is going to die? Shouldn't she then abort the baby? I love telling people that I was in that scenario. I was the baby in the womb, the fetus, the clump of cells, right, that was now given the option, my mother was now given the option to abort this clump of cells so that she wouldn't die and I, I was probably going to die anyway. My mother was very sickly. So then, right, what does she say? She faces death. She says, I'm, going, I, I, I'm not going to kill my son we're both going to live, and I'm going to trust in God. Well, I'm here to this day, right? And my mother survived that as well. She did die later on, but she was willing to face death because of the promise of life. You see, we as Christians, there is no excuse to sin even if it comes to death. You see, the Bible even says, have you resisted have you resisted sin to the point of shedding blood? Did you know that Jesus resisted sin to the point where he was literally sweating blood? And that's an actual medical term. I forgot the term. But you can be under so much stress, so much stress that you could sweat blood. Jesus was under that much pressure as he knew he was going to endure the cross. From the minute Jesus was conceived, he knew he was going to be slain for our sins. From the minute Jesus breathed oxygen, he knew that he was going to take on the cross. You see, Jesus knew his death was going to bring about freedom from our death from the minute he was born. Now, he, um, now it says right here, he broke. What it means by he broke doesn't mean he just snapped in half like, like, no, it wasn't just that. It literally means he reduced it to nothing. You ever seen Thanos when he does the snap, right? And he reduces it, like, you know, he kind of reduces it to nothing but dust. That's literally the analogy. That's like literally the picture of what Jesus did to the power of death. He reduced it to nothing. In another sense, he made it irrelevant. The fear of death in a Christian's life is irrelevant. Jesus reduced it to nothing. He broke it. So as a, to a Christian, for a Christian person, when facing death, you now have the option to say that's irrelevant. It's pretty savage, right? You facing death, you now have the confidence because Jesus died. He faced death. That's irrelevant. It's nothing. Only the Christian can say that because only the Christian has a Savior who faced death. You see, the Buddhist, Buddha's dead. You see, the Muslims, Muhammad's dead. Their Jesus is fake, right? You see, the, the, the people that worship in, uh, in uh, Sikh temples, that they have those, ha- those turbans on them, yeah, yeah they're, they're all their sages that created their religion. They're all dead. You see, the guy who, who made Darwin evolution, they never, we never evolved to the point where we couldn't die. You see, he's dead as well. Everyone is dead. No one can say with confidence, yeah, I'm not afraid of death. No one can say that. 
No one can say, can look death in the eyes and say, I'm not afraid of you. You have no power over me except the Christian. Because we share with someone who shared death with us. We share life with one who shared death and gave us life. We share with Jesus, his humanity. So this is what I want to, t- I want to let you know. That the devil, even though he was allowed to have this power, Jesus on the cross took that power and broke it in front of him. And in a sense, he tricked the devil. You see, because the power of death thought it had another man and simply a man. But what it did have was God. And it says in the scripture that he made a fool out of all the evil powers of this world. You see, Jesus, when he became man, right, death tried to close in on him and consume him. But instead, Jesus consumed death. In him, he took in death and destroyed it through his body. So we have to understand that Jesus, he owns death. Jesus isn't afraid of death. Jesus isn't no, is no longer susceptible to death. He owns it. He broke the power of it. So because of that, because of that, we can face death. And we can face death with no fear. You see, have you ever experienced this freedom from the fear of death? Because if you haven't, this is exactly what Christ desires. You see, because the fear of death will get you to sin. The fear of death will get you to sin. I remember when, uh, when, we were, uh, when TJ was getting persecuted and people were threatening to kill him, right? My man was about to die if he didn't denounce Christ and say black lives matter in the sense of this, that you can kill black babies. You can basically have uh, any type of relationship you want, polyamorous, polygamy. You can have sex with a man if you're a woman. You can have sex with three men if you're a woman, right? You can do whatever you want. That's exactly what they meant with that. You got to support that. TJ would have to do that if he wanted the death threats to start. You would have to say, hey, you know, I, I support this I support that. I go against everything I hold as true because they're threatening to kill him. So this is what every Christian is going to have the option to do. This is what Christians have gone through all throughout history. When people were saying, say Caesar is Lord, say this king is Lord, that's like imagine people saying, say Biden is God. Now people will say that, right? Especially, especially Biden. No offense, Biden, right? But people are going to say, hey, say Biden is God. Say Biden is king. Say Biden is your master, right? People would say that to Christians. And Christians would say, no, Jesus is Lord. And they would actually call Christians atheists. They, the word atheist was actually first given to Christians. They would, have, they would come up to Christians because you have to understand religion has always been political. When people try to tell you, separate your politics from religion, that's never been done and never will be done. And we see that everywhere. So don't ever let them tell you that. You always have a freedom to say that. Say what you need to say about Jesus, right? But here's the thing. They were faced with death all the time. They were faced with losing things, losing their own life. But Jesus freed them from that. To the point where they were getting lit up like Roman candles, literally to light up streets in Rome. Christians being burnt alive to light up streets in Rome, parties in Rome. But they didn't denounce Christ. See, for this reason, Jesus destroying death, Jesus destroying the thing that held us so close, so near, controlled every moment, for that reason, we can face death. You see, in verse, uh, in verse 15, go back over there. Oh, we're already there. Thank you, good sir. And it says, and free those. So let me read it from the, from the very beginning, right? Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that his death, by his death, 
he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Can I have Melanie come up, please? So by Jesus' death, we're free. He freed those who were enslaved. He freed all those who were enslaved. And those who were enslaved, Abraham's descendants, those are, those, those are the ones who trust in him. So the ones that are actually free, they can experience this freedom because Jesus indefinitely broke the power of death. But the only way to experience that truly is to trust in Jesus, to trust in his death and his life. That's the only way to experience it. It doesn't matter if you're like, you know, because you always see these people, right? They do death-defying tricks and everything. But I guarantee you that if they knew they were going to die that day, they wouldn't do the trick. I, knew, I guarantee you if people knew, like, hey, man, if I, if I go over here, I'm going to die, right? If I, if I sell drugs in this corner because we think gang members aren't afraid to die. But I'm telling you, if you told them, hey, you're going to get shot at this moment and you know it, I'm going to show you a video of the future, they wouldn't go there. You see, because no matter how, how bold someone thinks they are, they're but, a, but a, a wimp when it comes to death. Because why? They have no confidence in death. See, they have no power over death. They have no power over death. But to the ones who have been freed from death, death has been made irrelevant. Now we are children of God. We can live without death because Jesus won. Jesus won. We don't have to live with death on our mind and in our sights. We don't have to live with our death, I should say, in our mind and on our sights. We don't have to live seeing death and everything. We don't have to live with this fear, saying, man, I'm going to die. I'm going to die always having your death on your mind and in your sights. We're going to live with Jesus' death in our mind and on our sights. Because it's Jesus' death that defeats death that freed us from our fear of death so we no longer have to live like the world does afraid of death you look at the world what they're always trying to do is prolong their life keep their life going Walt Disney everybody know Walt Disney you know what he did he froze himself he froze himself while alive well they haven't unfrozen him yet let's see if he's still alive or dead right He was that afraid of death because of his desire to live. He was willing to freeze himself. We have people that are willing to kill other people in order that they don't die. We have people that because they're about to die and they have that desire to live and they're afraid of death, they'll take from other people. They'll steal from other people. They'll set other people up so they don't die. We have people that because of the fear of death, they'll kill those who are most precious to them. We have people that because of the fear of death, they'll sell their children into slavery. Sex trafficking. Yep. Think about that. So the fear of death is so prevalent. But I want to let you know that there is no reason to fear death as a Christian. He won. It's over. It's over. The master that we once had, his power has been broken, reduced to nothing. We're free. And we have an example in Christ. You see, Jesus, not only by his power are we freed from death, but in his example. You see, we live in the example of Jesus. The way he faced death, we're going to face death. Jesus, when he faced death, was he cussing everybody out? Like, yeah, man, get me off this nails, man. I'll show you who God is. 
I'm going to put the wrath of God on y'all. No, he didn't go out cussing. He didn't go out swinging. He didn't go out stabbing and shanking. He didn't do any of that. See, Jesus went like a lamb to the slaughter. You see, he died with dignity. He died in righteousness. And see, as Christians, we live a righteous life, but we're going to die a righteous death. That's how we can face death in righteousness and peace, saying, Father, I commit my spirit to you. Right? We follow Jesus' example and how he faced death. Because he faced death, we can face death. That's how we can face death. His power, what he did, his re- the reality of what he did, but the example of what he did. If you're going through a situation where you might die, let's say you get this news that you have cancer. Let's say you get this news that you only have a week to live, a month to live. You're going to face it like Jesus faced it. He faced it with joy, knowing that he'd be, right, not only in the presence of the Father, right, that, that, that he would be now drawn right there at the right hand of the throne, and that everyone there at one point, now all the people that crucified him will have a chance to, to believe in him and be saved, right? He had that joy. He had that joy. He knew that when we are facing death, we'll have that same joy, knowing that we're going to be with Jesus, knowing that we're going to be in the presence of God, knowing that this life, right, was but a glimmer, but a glimpse, but a shadow of the life to come, that we have a greater glory that awaits us. If I can have my altar workers come up, please. In closing, I just want to share a story with you guys about a man named Aquino. And Aquino was a former slave. He was a slave actually twice. And he got saved in his second time being a slave. And as a, as a Christian, right, as a disciple, he preached and everything, but he would also go on lots of sh- uh, journeys and ships. That was like kind of his profession. And there was one journey he was on where he was with a lot of white men. He was a freed man at this point, but a lot of these white men were probably slave owners, former slaves, or former slave owners. And he's on this trip, and the ship actually wrecks. Now, I want you to understand this. Shipwrecks are scary. I think about that sometimes. I'm like, man... I don't even want to go on a yacht. It took me a while. I finally admit, like, if I ever had to go on, like, a, a resort, like, a, one of those, what are those called? Like, the, on the boat? A cruise. There you go. If I ever had to go on a cruise, I would, before I was like, nah, I ain't going on no cruise in the middle of the ocean. You ever seen Titanic? Right? But then after a while, I was like, you know, I'll go on it, you know. I'll go on it. But you just imagine you're shipwrecked in the middle of the, in the sea of nowhere, nowhere right? Your ship is sinking. Water's coming in. You probably have a day or two before it completely sinks, or maybe like half a day. That was the situation he was in with a bunch of those slave owners. You know what everyone else started doing? You're not going to believe it. They started getting drunk. Literally, everybody started grabbing the beer that was in the cellar before it went down the ocean and started just drinking. Started just chugging, getting drunk. Getting wasted, sinning, being perverse. He says, since we're going to die, let us die like we want to. What did Aquino do? Fearing God, right? And I understand that. He feared God. He didn't fear death. He starts fixing the boat. Because of him, no one died. He started fixing the boat. Everyone who was drinking, some of the people who were drinking, noticed what he was doing and said, this man's not afraid. Let's help this man fix this boat. And he said later on, he feared God that it was his responsibility 
to help these people survive because he knew their blood was on his hands, that when they died, they would face God in judgment. She feared God. He didn't fear death. If everyone can stand up, please. So just like that man, can you face death? Just like Christ, can you face death? Listen, I want to be real blunt with you. If you can't even face your friends and tell them about Jesus, you can't face death. I'm going to be real with you. If push comes to shove and you're like Peter when a little girl came to him and said, hey, don't you know Jesus? And he cussed her out and said, I don't know Jesus. You can't face death. I want to let you know right now, there is always going to be a moment. There's going to be a moment once, at least once in your life, where you're going to face death. And how you face it is going to be important. It's going to matter. Are you going to face it like Christ? Or are you going to face it like the world? We've had lots of people in here face death in this church. But they all faced it with the fear of God. If you were in that, and if you were in the situation of that man, if you're in the situation of the martyrs, if you're in that situation, would you face death? I'll tell you how important this is to, to a lot of people. John Wesley, founder of a Christian movement, right? He was on a he was on a boat, right? A lot of stories of boats and Christians, because they were always going everywhere. And the ship began to have like a hole in it, right? And it wasn't getting repaired. And everyone was freaking out, freaking out. John Wesley was scared to death. And he realized right there that he was afraid. But then he saw a group of missionaries called the Moravians. Mara- uh, I might be butchering their name. And they were singing hymns, praising God with their children while all this hysteria is going- happening. And he realized at that moment he wasn't saved. He realized at that moment because he was afraid of death, because he knew he was going to die, and he felt like he had no hope that he wasn't saved. That's how important this is to get right now. If everyone can bow their heads and close their eyes. Listen, Jesus, he did it for you. It's by his death that we can be free. Right now, if you're not freed, in this place, not just from the fear of death, but from any sin, I want you to come up and receive prayer. We're going to pray over you. We're going to minister to you. We're going to share with you what Jesus shared with us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit right now, you'll be free in Jesus' name. Let's say you aren't afraid of death, but there are moments you still have fear and that prohibits you from sharing the gospel. This whole month we've been talking about that. We want you to share the gospel with everyone and anyone. If you've been afraid to share the gospel, you come up for prayer. And if you need prayer for anything else, whether it be healing, again, I'm talking about things that you're enslaved to. If you're enslaved to pride, to lying, to stealing, to lust, You can be free today in Jesus' name. If everyone could bow their heads and close their eyes. As Melanie begins to sing, I want you guys to begin to pray. Father, show me whether or not I'm a slave to sin. Show me whether or not I'm a slave to the fear of death. Begin to pray and ask him, God, God, am I a slave? Begin to ask God, God, 
confirm to me I'm a child of God. The Bible says that he will confirm to you you're a child of God. He will let you know you're a child of God. He will let you feel his love. 